Welcome to the Mid-Stage Startup Momentum Podcast. Each week, we interview up-and-coming founders of some of the fastest-growing mid-stage startups across the world. Your host is Roland Siebelink, who will share some of his own experience helping startups scale from 10 to 1,000 people in a few years. Here is Roland. One of the lessons we really teach our startups and scale-ups is that we uh, want them to start thinking at creating value cross-functionally rather than just within functions, because usually by the time we start working with them, they've already figured out the basics of how do I run an engineering department, how do I run a product department, how do I run marketing department, sales department, and so forth. And, you know, of course, that doesn't mean there's nothing else to be improved there, but usually you can just rely on those leaders and managers to be in charge of that and to be doing an okay to a good job even within function optimization. But as soon as a company starts growing beyond, let's say 50 people, then of course, what starts creating value for the customer starts depending not just on one department, but really on you know the coordination between departments and value being created in what we call a value stream where each department plays its certain role, all adding value to the same products. We always insist on more cross-functional work as uh, you know, a driver for, let's say, those quarterly rocks that we often set up with them. But it is also true that a large majority of the cross-functional work is actually in certain buckets that are more predictable than just overall cross-functional. It's not like everyone in the company always needs to work together on everything, right? And that's why we came up with the concept of engines, which are really kind of like the intermediate level between overall company and the functions that we have. So there's like a certain bucketing of functions but it's essentially like a grouping of departments into bigger buckets so that you can then as a CEO delegate certain problems more to the team that is focused on that output area. So these are the four engines I typically recommend that every startup think about. And it's really driven by the value chain of any tech company, if you will. There's an innovation engine, which really is about how do I get some new value, some new products onto the market that impresses the market. There's an acquisition engine, which is all about signing up new customers. So it starts with marketing and sales. There's even a solutions consulting aspect in there sometimes for large enterprise companies. And then, of course, there's the post-sales component, which it's all about delivering on the promise of that was made in the sales process, right? So assuming that you were bragging about how much your products can do, then at some point in time, they sign up and then you need to deliver on that promise. And that can be as little as making the products available and that's it. Or it can be as big as there's a whole team coming in to get you onboarded, to get people trained and stuff like that. But usually departments we see in that area are customer success, professional services, It's almost like an organization within the organization, like a ghost organization, or how is this in terms of governance set up? That's a good question. We don't necessarily want to stress that this is a governance mechanism. It is true that some, especially more advanced scale-ups, start using this a little bit to organize around. So sometimes that means that they basically want to have one CTO responsible for anything to do with innovation, one CRO, anything to do with acquisition, and Mm -hmm. then maybe like a CSO or CCO 
uh, responsible for satisfaction and fulfillment. So you could, of course, look at it that way. And especially as a CEO, if you want to like delegate more operational stuff to people below you, to get out of the weeds, you need to get out of the conflicts, right? So yeah. who else is going to manage those conflicts for you? It could very well be an executive in charge of each of these areas. However, to start there, I don't think is the right approach because then you set up everyone for like, okay, who is going to be the big honcho in this area? Is it going to be me or is it going to be them, you know? And would you map the whole teams into these engines or is it like select people actually get to enjoy the privilege of being part of an engine? No, it's it's really more like the grouping of the whole organization. So if you want to simplify it, then you could say, you know, product and engineering is in innovation, marketing and sales is in acquisition, customer success is in satisfaction. And then we'll talk about the enablement functions afterwards. But over time, I would say you don't want to stick to that one-on-one mapping too precisely. Mm. Because as you can see here already, some engineers will need to work in the satisfaction bucket every now and then. And so the same goes for product people. Over time, it doesn't become such a one-on-one mapping. In larger organizations, you could actually then start mapping certain roles to the engine. So even if they report into sales, their role may be just to be a farmer of a previously sold customer. And so that might mean they are actually in the satisfaction engine or that one business developer who helps to find beta clients for the next big thing might still report into sales, but is actually part of the innovation engine. So I think ultimately there are more perspectives of what value do we provide rather than organizational structures. And that's how I like to really use them. Like when there are conflicts between, let's say, marketing and sales, then go back to the key question being asked by this engine. Like, are you acquiring new customers? Is the thing you're fighting over, is it going to help us acquire more customers or not? Is it going to help us acquire more dollars or not? Same, any post-sales process, you know, people can often get really bogged down in all the post-sales processes and who does what and In the end, it's about, is it going to satisfy the customer more or not? And would you say that these engines are being headed by someone or is that more like a virtual organization? I'd say virtual, at least to start with. I would often see a duo of people in charge. So Mm -hmm. basically just say, hey, marketing guy and sales guy, you are running the acquisition engine. Hey, engineering girl and product girl, you are running the innovation engine together. I want you both to agree on certain things there and only come to me when you can't agree, but don't come too often. What is the experience you've made uh, so far? First of all, are many scale-ups using uh, this? uh, I'd say about 80% of the startups, scale-ups we work with have adopted this model one way or the other. And I think the most valuable part has been providing that bigger perspective of What are we actually all striving for in this area? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't help us innovate, why are we doing it? If it doesn't help us acquire customers, why are we doing it? I do think it makes sense to kind of have like standing teams. Uh, You know, one is focused on new product innovation. One is focused on acquisition. One is focused on satisfaction. But there's also a risk in making these teams too stable because then they become entitlements and you know, then it's becoming very often like one person who's always leading it. And part of the magic of setting new rocks every quarter is that we shake things up. 
we are able to evaluate did that previous person do a good job or not. Maybe we should have somebody else in charge for a while without having to necessarily demote people or, you know, offend them one way or the other. And then the last part we didn't really cover yet is the enablement mm -hmm. engine. So the difference there is that this is the one engine that's not serving customers, but it's serving employees. Yeah. So that's where all the traditional back office functions are located, like finance, HR, legal, administration, IT. There's, there's a couple more that we can imagine there. I think one other key aspect there is that they are not just serving, but also controlling employees to some degree. So it's, it's usually a mixture between service functions and policing functions. And that's very specific for those functions. And of course, the best balance they would have is if they have minimal policing and enough service so that people don't feel bogged down, but also not too much overhead. Yeah. Um, but that's why I put it outside. It's still an important part in scaling journeys to kind of, for example, set up shared systems so that people don't have to hunt down spreadsheets all the time and stuff like that. But it's about the overall efficiency of the org and less about specific projects that are more run in these other engines. This, this is the kind of stuff that does have to start from the top, not even with those executives. It has to start with the very founders saying, yeah, yeah. this is what I expect from you people as groups, as subgroups. Yeah. And start having the discipline, for example, when one of the topics on a quarterly agenda is the conflict between marketing and sales, that they can just say, this is not something the whole team needs to be involved in. This can be sorted out between you two or you three. And then you can start holding these people accountable for it. And then you can ask, have them start organizing around it. So in, in some of the more advanced startups that have been using this model for a year or two, you will see that before every quarterly business review, a group of middle managers from that area comes together and starts proposing company rocks as well as what they call rocks for this particular engine, engine yeah. rocks, right? And they start saying, you know, in order for us to make our priorities next quarter, this is really what we need from the company. And this is what we will prioritize for ourselves. Like what you heard? Subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Tune in next time for more hot startups and interviews with some of the highest momentum startup founders in tech today.